Hello, Jews and Jew lovers. This is Unorthodox, a weekly podcast from Tablet Magazine. I'm Mark Oppenheimer, joined as ever by Liel Leibowitz. I love how you say Jew lovers. Hello, Jew lovers. Jew lovers. Hello, you lovers it's a Jews. different kind of podcast. And Stephanie Butnick. Sup? Our Jewish guest this week is the amazing short story writer Rebecca Schiff, author of The Bed Moved. And our Gentile of the week is none other than comic and journalist Mo Rocca from The Daily Show, VH1, and, you know, just culture generally. Plus, you remember Ari Nagel, the Orthodox super sperm donor? Well, Jim Nabel, our in-house Jubador, has written an original song about him, and we are debuting it today. The Nabel-Nagel the n- continuum. <laughs> it, it continues. Goes, <laughs> that's right. Nabel on, Nabel on Nagel is what it's called. But listen, my friends, before we go any further, we have a little financial business to take care of. Unorthodox is coming up on its first birthday. It's been an amazing year. You, our listeners, have helped make us the leading podcast in the Jewish world. And soon, thanks to our worldwide conspiracy, we will be the leading podcast in the entire world, Jewish or Gentile. That is correct. Hundreds of thousands of downloads, a whole bunch of live shows, the best guests in the world. And we have a lot more planned for 2016 and 17, or if you prefer, Jewish year 5777. But we need your help. Tablet has been very generous in funding us, and they will continue to. But we need to become a little more, how do you say, self-sufficient. It's like it's like we're college graduates, and we can't live on the sofa forever. Yeah, like we know we have like through the summer to stay on the couch. But right, like, like we can. They're not going to kick us out. Like or, they'll still do our laundry when we come home. What these guys are saying <laughs> is the drugs are not cheap. And That's if you right. want us to continue and be entertaining, we are going to need some help there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're asking you to give us money. That's right. We need to raise some shackles to keep the show vibrant and exciting and coming to you every week. Every dollar helps. But listen, we don't just want your dollars. We want your soul. So we've set up a really fun bunch of incentives for you. There will be no tote bags. There will be no yarmulkes with little names printed inside. Though that would be kind of cool, actually. Instead, we have some even better stuff. So I, I came up with this myself, okay? I don't even know if Leal and Stephanie know what this is. But here's here's the deal we're giving you. Is this the Maimonides <laughs> oh giving letter? Okay, this is the Maimonides order of giving, right? For $180, you get to pick any name as our on-air rabbinic supervisor or kosher slaughtering. So this is the perfect surprise gift for a friend who may be a devoted fan. For someone you really don't like. Right. (laughs) For $360, you get to sponsor a mazel tov to the person or organization of your choice. For $720, you see what I'm doing? Auspicious. Numerologically. Auspicious AF. For $720, the Jubador, Jim Nabel, will work your name into a song. Oh, I like that. Okay. Then it goes way up from there. For $5,000, an episode will be dedicated to the memory of a person you love or an organization or a congregation or anything with a tribute read out to them at the beginning of the show. For $10,000, we will do a segment interviewing the guest Jew or Gentile of your choosing, provided they are willing. Or for $10,000 plus expenses, one of the three of us will perform your wedding. Are we all on board with that? Yeah, can we add bar mitzvah? Or bar mitzvah. Yeah, like we will actually play any, a ritual any role. Meaningful yeah. rite any, yeah. any meaningful any rite of passage. Any meaningful rite of passage. That's right. So think about that. $10,000 What Mark plus is expenses. saying is that we, we're completely for sale. That's we are right. really <laughs> open to negotiations. Just name your price, send money, we will do whatever the yeah. flippity flop you want. So all of that is listed on our webs- on our donation website. Now listen, this is, this is, this is the URL you need, tabletmag.com slash donate. That's tabletmag.com slash donate. Give us money, get fun stuff, help keep Orthodox going. Unorthodox going. Sorry. <laughs> help keep Unorthodox. We'll do a different show called Orthodox. <laughs> for for $50,000, we'll change the name of the show. All right. A little news <laughs> of the Jews. Croatian basketballer Dragan Bender, who spent the past few years playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv, was picked fourth in the NBA draft by the Phoenix Suns. So if you're looking for a new team to root for, there you go. 
Jewish dad Arthur Brooks took out a full-page ad in an Idaho newspaper looking for a bride for his son, the waspily named Baron Brooks. Isn't Baron one of the Trump sons? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The ad reads- The eight-year-old one. The, <laughs> the one we never see. The ad reads in part that the younger Brooks is, quote, looking for a wife who is ready, willing, and able to have children as soon as possible. Uh, the age is ideally between 34 and 38. Women over five foot eight are discouraged from applying because Baron is only five five. Surprise, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> and potential wives must <laughs> just poor Baron, what a schmuck. Potential wives must be politically conservative. Support hey, support please. For, look, I, this is this is Arthur Brooks took out this Medusta. ad. Support for President Barack Obama or Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton are deal breakers. Quote, if you voted for Obama or plan to vote for Hillary, you're not for me, unquote. But As he, for me is his son. It's, his it's son. not even him. <laughs> can you tell why the son is not fully flourished as an independent it's adult? It's so weird because like people who have different political beliefs just cannot be together ever. I know that that's how it works. Right? Isn't that right, yeah. Liel? Yes. You yeah, cannot we, actually share space with people with different opinions. Never, differing opinions. As for own. religion, it's, quote, open. So what we've got is a five foot five Jewish guy who's willing to intermarry, but not to a Democrat. Yep. <laughs> there are lines. Sounds about right. There we go. Um, the PLO retracted a claim that uh, had been made last week, but was it Abbas who made the claim that rabbis were instructing Jews to poison Palestinian wells? He then took back that claim. Um, That's one of these cases, but, really, when the retraction <laughs> is way worse than the uh, ab about about the thing we said last week that you guys poisoned the wells. Yeah, we're, we're sorry we said that. Like at that point, just double right, down. Right. Like don't. It's really uh, like a fairy tale poisoning wells. Like it's very. <laughs> it's very. Also, grim? also, sorry we said you are. We're locking princesses in the tower and right. yeah, forcing like them to let their hair down. <laughs> the whole thing about baking our children's blood into your matzah. We don't have the evidence for that. We thought we did. We take it back. In a series of robocalls on behalf of Democratic congressional candidate Oliver Rosenberg. I'm so excited about something I have to tell you. Comedian Jackie Mason was on the line when you answered the phone in the 212 saying that uh, incumbent Jerry Nadler voted for the Iran nuke deal. And so Jews are now facing uh, the hydrogen bomb. No decent person would vote for Jerry Nadler. Vote on June 28th for Oliver Rosenberg. June 28th. Vote. I just want to say that when you have Jackie Mason, who's 112, when you have a 112-year-old Borscht comedian doing your robocalls, like, what demographic are you trying so you, to get? Yeah, you basically me. pick up your landline. <laughs> By the way, they're targeting me. It's like exclusively like, for if, me. If I picked up the phone, there was like a cranky old guy being like, can <laughs> like, you hello? Hello? Yeah, I'm like, hello, don't vote for Nadler. That was one not, day you're voting for Nadler. What you're crazy? One day you're voting for Nadler. Then he votes for the Iran deal. He's not for the Iran deal. Who knows? And then he does his Ed, his famous Ed Sullivan impersonation, and they've got they've got him in the bag for Oliver Rosenberg. You lost me there. This last one is news of the Jews only because it's about Iran, whose government, not whose people, but whose government is an enemy of the Jews. So therefore, crazy Iran news is Jewish news. According to the Times of Israel, dog lovers in central Iran are in a sad because authorities have been confiscating their dogs in an apparent crackdown on the quote vulgar western culture of let's Cain. be real this is this is because of its dogs doesn't matter where it is this is, this this is, is relevant so to us because enough of your cat yeah. chauvinism but you know how the iranians call you know america's the great satan yeah and israel's the little satan the little satan and dogs are like who's a good boy satan <laughs> who's a good boy satan all i have to say is hell to the no like now now i'm like, at Madden, now, then you came for the dogs then you get, when, you, when you come for the dogs you have crossed a oh line God. Ayatollah. Can you imagine uh, that famous animated Disney movie about the you know a lot of dogs? Uh, as or it's a stone in <laughs> the Tehran. Dalmatian one. One hundred and one damnations. <laughs> <laughs> Cruella Deville. Allah Wait. bless her. 
Keeping dogs is haram, according to the Quran, said somebody to somebody. Busadi told the Faraz News Agency on June 19th, if we find out that anyone is keeping and caring for dogs and so is promoting vulgar Western culture, we will deal with them firmly. Death to Lassie. There's something that like Death really will to upset. Bad, golden retriever. Nothing to upset your constituency more <laughs> than taking their dogs away. Yeah, like, really? I, that's so mean. This is now the Green Revolution. Now will they're succeed. just fucking with us. <laughs> it's like you take take their dog. You come to Israel where you can be gay and have dogs. Are you are you bark washing? I am totally. <laughs> totally bark Flea washing. Flea washing. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Israel. Speaking of Israel, speaking of of land we took in 67, uh, at a dig in the Golan Heights, they found a mask of the god Pan, and now something about they think there were drunken orgies there 1,900 years ago. Leo, what happened? Uh, they found a mosque. You mean a mask? <laughs> they found a mosque. Uh, this they is did a, not a find completely a Freudian slip. They did right. not find a mosque, but they did find a mask of the god Pan. And yes, they do believe that there were Wherever orgies. Wherever there's a, go- a mask in, of the god the Pan. In the Golan Heights, drunken orgies uh, 1900 years ago. Now, how funny would it be if there were drunken orgies in the Golan today? Like that, we'd be fine. Everyone would be fine. There'd be peace. I just birthright would have been a lot more fun because the goal, the goal piece of it was like they put you in an auditorium, and an old lady who moved there in '67 talks to you about the three no's, no to peace, no to this, no to that. It's like it's the it's the most lecturous part of the birthright. Is that where you like stand on the hill and it's like yeah, it's like they could kill you from right there. And if if there were but take a selfie first, yeah. But if there were if they were like and now drunken orgy, that would be even better than the Bedouin. Tenth night. Yeah. experience. Our Gentile of the Week this week is Mo Rocca. You know him from his years on The Daily Show, where he offered his Mo opinion on various topics. He's often on public radio's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So those of you who are over 50 know who he is. He's been a regular on Larry King, The Tonight Show, now The the Cooking Channel. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And he's also- It's the- actually Cooking Channel, which is annoying that there's no article on it because you sound like a caveman when you say it the right way, which is I'm have, I have a show on Cooking Channel. Yeah. Well, Me like, on Cooking Channel. They should just cut all the vowels. It's cooking. Cooking. Right. He's the author of the novel, All the President's Pets, the story of one reporter who refused to roll over. And, uh, you know, he's he's a Gentile. I am. I should also say that for 10 years, I've been on CBS Sunday morning. And I say that also because if my boss were listening to this and he is Jewish, then he would be upset if that weren't mentioned. None of us is up early enough to catch you on CBS Sunday, Sunday morning. But are you the Charles Osgood? Did you get that slot? The sort of curmudgeonly bow-tied? Avuncular. Avuncular. Right. Well, commentatoriat. No, I, I I am not. I mean, I, I guest anchored once. I said I guest hosted and everybody scolded me. They said, you guest anchored. So, ah, um, but um, the uh, no, I, I, no. I but I you're do your wear own a bow tie. Excellent. So Liel very much wanted to, he wanted first question on this one. Well, I, my question is is metaphysical, uh, and it's this. Uh, you know, I am a huge fan of your work. I've been watching you for years, and I love everything you do. But my question is really basic: What is it that you do? How do you define this, and how do you get that job? Because it's magic. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> that's very flattering. I um. 
I, I, you know, I go out and I guess I talk to people and I try to insert myself in a way that doesn't feel obtrusive, where I'm not kind of stepping all over them. And uh, so it's fun. I mean, I, you know, it's of it, uh, other reporters would think that this is kind of sacrilege to say, but I kind of look at it. Every interview is sort of like a scene. I don't see a that much of a difference between performing in a play and interviewing somebody. I mean, I think they're on the same continuum. I know this sounds sort of pretentious, but one no, day somebody... Sounds, it sounds exactly right. I mean, when when all of this has turned into, like, degraded theater, like that's exactly the attitude that is necessary <laughs> to break through. I mean, look at Donald Trump. Have you ever interviewed Donald Trump? I have not, but I was a... Um, a judge for Miss USA, and I did it once. <laughs> if I had done it more than once, it would have it would have been, not been right. But um, I got to bring my mother first class with me to Las Vegas, and then take her in a helicopter down into the Grand Canyon. So that was reason to do it. And who is um, the designer Betsy? Betsy, you know she's kooky. Betsy Johnson. Betsy Johnson. She was one of the other judges, and she didn't know how to tabulate. She was, I was going to say me. Betsy Ross. She designed this beautiful. <laughs> she didn't though. Betsy Ross did not design. The flag. She did not. Yes, and I'm about to go to Philadelphia to do a walking tour with Ed Rendell <laughs> and what's his it, Joe Queenan, yeah, and we're going to go to. Different... It's time that bitch got exposed. <laughs> you just fraud totally, she is. She is completely. She's a total fraud. Leo, you just outed yourself as the non-citizen in the room. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it requ- well, Mo's half Colombian, so yeah, right. but he was born out. here. But he was born here. He exactly. could be no, not according someday. to Trump. He wasn't. <laughs> Do you have your birth certificate? Uh, long n- not on me. <laughs> long form? It, well, Mr. Trump, as everyone in the Miss Universe organization calls him uh, or called him when he owned it, um, uh, you know, owned it was his organization. So when I went to Las Vegas to be a, um, a, a judge for Miss USA, I sat next to Betsy Johnson uh, and she's a great designer. And anyway, she didn't know how to use the tabulation device and so she was going to throw the whole thing it was going to be florida all over again i mean it was a real because it was really it belonged sorry, to it was Ms. a tabulation device like an ipad what's a tabulation calculator yeah, it was, it was a kind calculator. of thing like an abacus com- it's something that like a comp controller would use a lot of that's pronounced uh, controller is it really yeah the first pronunciation is the p is silent but it's been mispronounced so much i'm sorry that there's Don't a you second dare correct oh, Morocco. i'm God, just you, like you're adding on, yourself you as so, the biggest nerd in this you room. are so controlling of this yeah. conversation <laughs> oh, i'm sorry you're so controlling so, okay, anyway, she was, I mean, this was live television. I mean, the entire thing could have been thrown, and I had to swoop in there, and I had to help her. Um, so I'm glad I was there, because it belonged to Miss Connecticut. Did and she win that year? She did, oh, but that's because Betsy Johnson actually put the numbers in correctly <laughs> after I helped her. So, Mo, you've conquered everything. You've, you've done it all. There's absolutely no pinnacle of, of American Your media. I mean, this completely seriously. Yeah. That you haven't done. What, what, what next? You're a young guy. There's, there's still some, some, some years there for you to explore. Do you have crazy ideas? What's going on? Well, I've commentated. I've opined. I've reported. You were on those VH1 70s and 80s. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting to that. But all I've ever wanted to do is dance. Anyone who knows me. <laughs> so that's the next thing. Yeah. I, 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 well, I know I love musicals. So I'd love to do a play. I've been on Broadway, but I'd like to go back to it. What do you want to be in? Something new or something you're going to revive something? You know, I would, yeah, I would love to be hysterium in um in a oh, funny forum. thing happened yeah, in the forum. Sure. I think that's a really I fun role. I did props role. for that. Oh, did you? In high school, okay. yeah. Props, yeah. man. I was pretty, <laughs> props for the props guy, yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. Learning a lot about Mark Oppenheimer this yep. episode. Yep. <laughs> so I first really sort of became aware of you because of I love the 70s, I love the 80s, right. and you were like the face of that to me. Decades that she's only experienced through those yeah, shows. Yeah, so you basically right? so, you yeah. taught, she me, is 11, yeah. taught me the history of 11, yes. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite decade? Well, my favorite decade is the 70s because I thought the TV was really great, but the viewers didn't love I Love the 70s, which is – we ended up doing three installments of I Love the 80s. I think for VH1's audience, I Love the 70s was like medieval European history. It was just way too far back. (laughs) But, you know, the 80s – I loved doing I Love the 80s too. I mean, I learned everything about Webster, Punky Brewster, different strokes, really the whole – canon of 1980s orphan-centered sitcoms and um but <laughs> kind of dark yeah. coming to think about it there are a lot of dead parents on t on like oh, feel it's good like TV. fairy tales yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. you did not fare so well if you're a dad in the 80s so like I feel and the like, only real dad in the 80s turned out to be like a mass oh. rapist so wow i feel like these are like end times so like what would be like i love the 20 whatever's <laughs> It's going to be Trump. Oh, I, lo- I, I love I, the teens. I, I love the teens. It'll be at some reality show where a different country gets kicked out of the EU each week. <laughs> I would actually watch that and like yeah, maybe gets, you would understand Brexit. Who gets kicked off the island? That would be, yeah. What would we who's call, last? by the way? Uh, Boris other, Johnson gets to decide who stays and who goes every week. Other other exits. So France Frexit. would be the Frexit. Frexit. Right. Yeah. But why do we need to do that? Like, I'm all about a good portmanteau, but like, it seems like we're really trivializing being like, oh, Brexit. It's only, their, it's only their lives <laughs> yeah. and their economy. It's literally their future. They did it, though. <laughs> it's like they a, little, did it. a little elf. They're the people, but they get, the British started, I mean, they're the ones who decided that Morrissey should be called Moz. I mean, they don't, they do, weir- they're weirder on these these portmanteaus and abbreviations than we are, I think. Right. Do you know what's so interesting, speaking of the empire, um, is how Indians invent words. Um there's you mean in, you mean Native American Indians no, or subcontinent subcontinent in, okay. South Asian Indians that you know I've heard an Indian businessman once talk about a meeting and saying rather than postpone it he wanted to do the off, opposite and he said why don't we prepone our meaning <laughs> and that so it's a it's an overly logical way of looking at language that's and, why they're going to own us all. Well, that's why they always dominate in the spelling bee. And I just hosted the National Geographic Bee. I'm a big geography nut. I've known the capital of every country in the world for a very long time. I almost had a nervous breakdown when the Soviet Union fell apart because of all this <laughs> explosion of stands. And but anyway, did I you ju- master it? Are you on top of all of that? I now? am. Okay. Yeah, he has had some time. I love Kyrgyzstan's capital, which is Bishkek. <laughs> <laughs> and I, everybody loves Uzbekistan's capital, Tashkent. Tashkent, yeah. yes. Yeah. Which I learned from spies like us. Yeah. I believe okay. they go right. <laughs> on the road to Dushanbe. I think mm-hmm. they pass. Th- that's Tash. the capital of Tajikistan. Oh, is Dushanbe. it Dushanbe? Oh, yeah. There mm-hmm. we go. I'm learning a lot. But this it's morning. nothing. God, don't be the... such a Dushanbe. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, let's get down to brass tacks here. You are Colombian and Italian. What do you think of the Jews? There, you've met a lot of them in show business. Well, um, I used to have, I should just say straight out now, so to speak, that I used to have a policy of only dating Jewish men. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And mm-hmm. I used to- uh, Stephanie I, has I, that Same policy. with all my college friends. <laughs> yeah. And I used to say, look, if you want to date me, then you, you have to convert if you're not Jewish. As, <laughs> um, what do I think of the Jews? Um, like I, when you're having a deep secret moment with your Colombian amigos- and you're talking about the fucking Jews. I mean, are, do, you, do you have that conversation? Is there like a Jew conversation? Um, the, the, secret, the secret conversation about Jews. Well, I mean, I feel like there are several different kinds. I mean, on a personal level, as I said, I mean, I've always been sort of attracted to 
Jews. Um, I grew up in Montgomery County, and there was a little bit – I it, it bothered me that I never got invited to a bar mitzvah because I always felt like the more popular with it kids were Jewish. Um, Jewish kids were really good at gymnastics. By the way, say the word, school. and you will get right yeah. now about <laughs> 400 invites within the next 48 hours. Yeah. So just, well, subsequently, I was. There's like, a microphone right yeah. here. Go ahead. <laughs> says, yeah. You want invites <laughs> to bar mitzvahs, man. But the other conversations – I mean, I have so many Jewish friends, so I feel like a lot of the things that seem kind of edgy about Jews' influence in Hollywood and in media are usually said in an ironic way with Jewish people. But I have found that when I'm in a group of Democrats and there's no Jew in the room, things will come out, um, you know, upset at perceived Jewish influence and policy in the Middle East. I have, I have definitely, I have actually found that. that Interesting. I that love that. That there are double. Yeah. That confirms that are, so many of my. That's yeah. exactly what Leo thinks. Yeah. He finds that every time he leaves the room, he, he fears that every time he leaves the room, the liberals are like, the anti-Israel folk this yeah. take their knives out. Jew. Let yeah. me ask a different question. What, what is it about Jewish men? What, what particularly <laughs> Enough of this of, political. Yeah, enough of that yeah. shit. What is it about guys of, of the Hebrew persuasion that appeals? I think it's oh my gosh! I'm, uh, this is because uh, um, we've heard this from from yeah, from, we've from several Simon, Simon Dunan said, said very similar has things. scarcely we, ever slept with a non-Jew. Well, I mean, we're it sort was, of trying to work our way into this. You know, my friend John Tolens, who terrific playwright and wrote that play um, Buyer or Seller uh, uh, bu- about Barbara. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is about Barbara's uh, basement. Yeah, about Streisand's <laughs> basement. So it's a, hilarious. It was really great. But anyway. <laughs> He said there should always be one Jew in a relationship, at least one Jew, and he was using quotation marks there. But I think a combination of kind of like strong and – but though like emotionally feeling and I, I'm i attracted to someone who looks like they got punched in the face. I like a nose that's a real nose. I don't mm. like – I mean the thing that I find least attractive in life is a Bob Hope nose, a ski jump <laughs> nose. I've always – I cannot – I just can't. I like somebody with like a real – like I think – I always thought that Eddie Cantor was sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Said no one since 1932. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm with you there. One reason I like Jewish women who have not had work done is that they look like, you know, they got that real face. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think, you know, it's like if you went to the country club circa 1968. By the way, I, all... should, I should say to our listener that Stephanie is right now banging her head against the table. <laughs> I'm not banging my head against Why the table. Would you I'm, here, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm Wait. here. I'm listening. Why would Stephanie look Stephanie's do, gorgeous? Do you find right? this offensive? No, I think it's fine when he says it. But then when it's about women, I'm like, oh. You're just it's other... like a, a, a reverse objectification. Well, uh, well, I'll tell you, I think there's nothing less attractive than a guy who's dyeing his hair. I can't stand that. Yes. Yeah. But I would never Sheldon say Adelson. that. Oh, never Thank say, you so I, much. I Speaking never, of, of, yeah. of Israel. I would never say that about a woman because it's a completely different standard. And also, women know how to do it. I mean, it's amazing. And no matter how much money a guy has, he does not know how to dye his hair. Right. And especially if you white, overly whiten your teeth and dye your hair, you look like you've been embalmed. It's just the worst look in the world. I can't stand you it. You end up, what was it that they called Donald Trump the Cheeto Jesus? You end up with the Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> yeah, no, but I gave the commencement address at Sarah Lawrence College a few weeks ago, and that's the only thing that they'll remember is I just said, I said, guys in the audience, do not dye your hair and overly whiten your teeth. And if that's the only thing they remember in life, great. But let me just say also, there's something, my father used to say this, 
and I don't want to like rush into a Streisand conversation right now, but this does apply, <laughs> which is that that I my father said, oh, the reason her voice is so moving is it comes from there's something about the cantorial tradition about really <laughs> about really putting like your throwing your heart into it and just and and it's true. It's why like you know rest in peace somebody like Whitney Houston that voice would never move me. It was like technically it was sure that's astounding. There are all these octaves and the you know and uh, but when when Streisand pre 1975 um, sang like it always would move me and I think it has something anyway that connects sort of the Jewish man thing this this combination of of I don't know strength and emotional connection I'm not sure what it is and the nose it's a cantorial yeah. tradition plus nose yeah now you sent before we go you sent us four questions for our, our panel of Jewish experts this is a satyr so. and this is a say and I'm gonna try and I'm gonna take one of them because she's come up already one of the questions you sent us was why do I love Barbara Streisand yeah yeah the easy answer obviously is because you're gay. <laughs> there are no straight men who love Barbara Streisand. Is that true? Well, I have to and say that my that's and, that, that one of my compatriots on on uh, wait wait don't tell me my good friend Adam Felber God I'm, I'm not sure his wife who is a really close friend of mine would love me saying this but he said one of his worst dates was when he went home with a woman well before he was married and uh, and she wanted to put on Barbara while they fooled around <laughs> yeah, okay. and he said this was just the worst possible thing. <laughs> But I, I don't know. Do, yep. Liel, yep, do, you guys, right. do you guys have any wisdom? That's all I've got for him is because he's gay. Well, I don't know. I've never gotten on the Barbara bandwagon. I actually decided this weekend that I wanted to because there's like pictures of her cr- around tablet. And no one knows where they came from. There's just like a lot of there's like a lot of Jews Barbara. Just send them yeah, to us. Just, apparently people just give them to our editor being like, oh, we, they just like assume that she likes her. And so there's a so <laughs> there's in they're like in different offices. Um, Moraka, we have to let you get back to CBS. We Sunday didn't talk morning. about Homantoshin. Oh, so you, I make my own Homantoshin. His other question was, does anyone actually like Homantoshin? That's really no. one. No. Oh, yes, absolutely. I had my first one this year. <laughs> Love it. It's shortbread with jam. What's not to love? What's I wrong with dance. you people? I make homentoshin for overlooked diaspora. It's true. I make, <laughs> I make a lingonberry homentoshin for the Jews of Sweden. And the first Jew in Sweden was Queen Christina's doctor, Baruch Nehemiah, in the 16th century. Um, and Queen Christina was played by Greta Garbo in that movie. <laughs> and then I make um, kumquat homentoshin for the Jews of China from Kaifeng. And do you send yeah. it to them or just like No, I just make it. Them. And then I do like, then I'll perform like at different JCCs and I'll give out the homentoshin. And then I make tamarind chutney home and toshin for the three communities of Jews in India. So you're Jewish. And yeah, then I make, and then I make have wasabi. Done more for and our I, people. And wasabi? then I actually have made wasabi pea oh. home and toshin for the Jews of Japan, which are basically guys that work for Goldman Sachs yeah. that are stationed in Tokyo. Yeah. I love that. And go to so, Lubavitcher Seder. I, I would eat your hamen and I would. I'm in. I'm in. You. Those are interesting. The reason you like Jewish men is because you're Jewish. How about that? <laughs> Friends, we thank Mo Rock for being our Gentile of the Week. With apologies that he's actually not our Gentile of the Week. He's actually <laughs> more Jewish than all of he's us. He's actually more Jewish than all of us. With one person, one very special person, a feeling deep in your soul. Says you are half now your whole No more hunger and thirst But first be a person who needs people Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated Best Play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamu, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by the New York Times' Mark Tracy. 
They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. This event is part of 14Y's spring season of Jewish culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. Hey, J.Crew, it is time for some pod biz. Tonight, May 16th, I'll be moderating a Zoom conversation with Rabbi Sharon Brous and Shai Held about each of their new books. That's at 6 p.m. Eastern and the final event in my Unpacking the Book series with the Jewish Book Council and the Jewish Museum. This one's on Zoom, so no matter where you are, I hope you can make it. And tonight is actually a doubleheader for me. If you're in the New York area, I'll be at the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan at 7.30 tonight in conversation with Israeli rapper and singer Jimbo J. He'll be performing and there will be delicious Israeli food from Chef Mushka, who made the famous Horosets at our Passover pop-up. You can find links to register for both of those events at tabletmag.com slash unorthodoxlive. We also have some great events coming up for Tablet members in person and on Zoom. On May 16th, Catherine Wolf will be in conversation with Jews who refuse to back down against hostile crowds in various arenas, from municipal buildings, school board meetings, and of course, college campuses. She'll be talking with Club Z's Masha Merkalova, Safe CUNY's Avraham Goldstein, Attorney John Kovac, Mel Waldorf, Steve Goldberg, and UNC Chapel Hill student Daniel Stumpel. Also coming up, a warm and intimate Zoom for those who have lost friendships since October 7th. That's on May 21st and will be a great chance to connect and meet new people. And on May 30th, an in-person tablet meetup in Washington, D.C., hosted by Tablet's executive editor Wayne Hoffman and Catherine Wolf. That'll be at Charbar at 6 p.m. You can become a Tablet member at tabletm.ag slash uomember and get more information about all of these events. Okay, back to the show. Our guest Jew today is Rebecca Schiff, the author of the new short story collection, The Bed Moved. It has a blurb on the back from, I happen to notice, a blurb from Sloan Crosley, who was on our show. And it was she who inspired us um, because she has the she's the Jew with the waspiest name ever. She actually inspired the waspy name generator that we, that we <laughs> did. So actually, Rebecca, before we talk about your amazing book of short stories, could, could we do this? For, could we generate your waspy name? Please. Okay, so Liel's wasp name generator was... You take a thing that Jews will never, ever buy, mm. okay, combined with a place Jews will never visit. So, like, an economy car plus a big, tall mountain. So, like, Ford McKinley would be I, a I would name. visit a mountain. Okay, that doesn't work for you. Okay, Stephanie's was your first pet's name. What was your first pet? We didn't have pets because my sister was allergic. Okay, so we're going to have to go with mine. mine is you your are so name. Jewish. You can't even be <laughs> We can't even generate your wasp behavior. can't generate it. All right, we're going to- Mr. Goldfish? Wait, yours would work. Okay, the so we're going to try mine. Okay, uh, we're going to pick a popular name from the 1940s. Pick a sort of screen, oh, okay. silent, or not silent screen, but early mid to mid Hollywood name. Mm. Joan. 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 And the name of your freshman dorm in college. Butterfield. There we oh, go. Oh, amazing. It works. Joan Butterfield. Uh, welcome. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. I'm going to have you read a story from it in a minute. One of the things oh, okay. about you people who write the little miniatures is that we can have <laughs> you read a whole thing. But um, in we noticed that in the LA Review of Books, um, they they called your work, uh, they said it slotted into the genre of slut lit. Mm -hmm. So I want to start there. What were they talking about and how did you feel about that? I mean, I thought that it was actually because of something that I had written about the character calls herself a slut, and and I'm not sure if the other writers 
called their characters sluts, but I, I sort of feel like it was, it was my, <laughs> it was, it was. It's my, all about you. It's all about me and yeah. my, but, um, but I was proud. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I think some, some people have asked me questions since like, you know, was that anti-feminist? Was it post-feminist or, you know, and, and I just, I think it's, it was, um. You find this entire discussion so incredibly yeah, you're fucking like, it's tedious. just, I just did it. It's just what it was. Just like read literature. What's wrong with you people? Well, kind of. Yeah. No. But, but I also think that it's like, you know, they, people need an angle to write about things. So, you know, I, I, I accept that. People need a hot take. They need a hot take. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk yeah. about noses again. I read the okay. book twice. Oh, let's. <laughs> on, on the way here, I saw, I was like on the, it's funny that you guys were just talking about noses. <laughs> um, I saw a woman with a little like ski jump nose and, and I thought to myself like on the subway, I thought my life would be so different if I, if that was my nose, what would my life be like? And then I was like, I wouldn't be on my way to unorthodox <laughs> right now if, if that was my nose. I was uh, like, the, you have a very good nose. Thank you. It's a, it's an original. It's au naturel. Oh yeah. Come <laughs> I'm just, on. I mean, you know, you brought it up. Um, <laughs> How do you think your life would be different? Um, if I had that little nose? Yeah. I don't know. I, sometimes I just think like boys would like me better back to that. I always did like Jewish guys. So when, so that the whole like shiksa fetish, I just thought like, oh, if I could just be a shiksa, then I could get the Jewish guy. <laughs> oh my God. That's so messed up. That's so like, that's so many backwards. So, so, I know. Um, so, let us, so let us ask you the same question that we asked Morocco. What is it about Jewish guys that you like? It's, it's the same as him. It's the nose. It's the nose. No. We're just a piece of meat to you. It's yeah. just all about the nose. Well, I think cartilage. It's okay if they're Italian as long as they have the, the, the dark hair and the nose. It's, it, for me, it became, I realized it's, well, no, it's not just that. Now I'm actually dating a Jewish guy. So I like that. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> is this it? Is this the one? <laughs> um, I, it's like six weeks, so I, I, I don't. You, I yeah, don't know I mean that, sometimes you know. That's all you need. No, yeah, it's too on. soon to say. I Why think are you? I'm cautious. Um, the um, I like the talkativeness and the lack of sexual shame. Totally Wait, what about sweaters? Because we heard from someone. Yes, Henry Alford said yes. we seem, but he said we Jewish men read oh, gay yeah. because we wear sweaters well. So which was think, the I mean, yeah, lack of sexual shame or sweaters, really, or sweaters. whichever. whichever <laughs> you do your wear book. sweaters well. You do yes. wear sweaters well. Yeah. Um, this actually segues to a question about your writing, which we do take serious. <laughs> it's not just about your dating habits. Do you, so <laughs> I was thinking as I read the, the the writing about your book, but also the book itself, that um, there is a lot about Judaism in here. And Jews used to be the cool minority writers. Right. Like if you go back to the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. everyone wanted – I mean it was mostly male, right? I mean mm -hmm. Cynthia Ozick got a pass mm -hmm. when she started kind of – and she started late in life. But it was – you know, it was Roth and it was Bellow and it was Malamut. It was also mm -hmm. these people who we've forgotten. I mean there's the – you know, I mean Bruce J. Friedman used to be a big oh, deal. Oh, yeah, Bruce J. And, Friedman, and, Grace um, Paley, Leonard Michaels. Thank, Leonard Michaels, for example. I mean yes. Sylvia, Sylvia's like the best book ever. We have not forgotten basically. him. It was – Jews were so much the cool writers that Edward Hoagland wrote an essay for Harper's, mm. I think it was in the late 60s, called On Not Being a Jewish Writer, where he was basically complaining, saying, like, as a waspy writer, there's only room for one or two waspy writers right now. Updike, Updike got the slot, and now I'm – but if I were Jewish, there'd be always – there's always more room for the Jews. I, I hate when that happens. Right, you, don't you hate when that? So I was thinking, like, here you write this book that is kind of mm. – in a lot of the stories has a, a definite kind of outsider Jewish sensibility, and I'm thinking – do you worry that, hey, if I were South Asian or if I were black, this would just rocket to the top? Um, I don't think of it that way, but I do worry that I'm too late to like say something edgy about being Jeez. an outsider because we're not really outsiders anymore, but like we're the children of people who felt like outsiders. And yet, why do we still feel like outsiders if we're this assimilated? Because I think I do anyway. Do you? I, no, I, told, I think 
I loved your book for that reason because I think you grapple with that so well. Well, it's funny because to me, what I to me, it's you capture suburban a suburban upbringing so well, and to me, maybe that's what it is. Is like the child of people who grew up in city, like in mm. in cities, now go to the suburbs, and then their kids. It's like that attendant comfort, but also discomfort. Like that's the that sort of to me is part of the same thing about being outsiders ish. But I mean, but but this Jewish. is the, this is the thing that really infuriates me about this whole conversation, right? And it, it ties back to to what we just said a moment ago. It's the fact that. You're a great fucking writer. Yes. You, you don't need to be edgy or have a statement or right. have like or a shtick or, or be a slut. Jew- or like who slut. the fuck yeah. cares? You Pot write smoking well. Jewish but slut writer. Imagine slut. if we had yeah. this like this this blight on human civilization, this fucking internet culture of absolute severe stupidity when say Goethe was around it's like well I really like his work but I really feel like we're really done the whole kind of like German angst thing the whole German young <laughs> so, poet yeah angst. it's not that good like we need to like the fuck you this is great writing what's wrong with you let's let's hear okay some so of this speaking good of which could, yeah. would you read would you read the entirety of your story write what you know um I feel like it's all in there okay yeah I've never read this before ever so be be gentle okay I only know about parent death and sluttiness. What else do I know? I know about the psychology of Jewish people who have assimilated, who dye their hair, who worry about bizarrely specific allergies. Does the migrob have soy sauce? The migrob is fine. Melissa had it last time, and she was fine. I know about liberal guilt and sexual guilt and taking liberties sexually, even though I haven't actually done any of the liberties I know about, except once something with a very small dildo. It hardly counts. I know about unrequited love, and once love that was requited, but not for very long. I know about baseball. It didn't take that long to learn it. I know about relief pitchers and which guy switch hits. When guys know about other guys, they know something I'm left out of. Guys know about towels. Towels are a big part of how they know each other. In the locker rooms where they only use each other's last names. The first name is what the girlfriend calls them when she calls them. She's got a ponytail. She's got boots. She's got chlamydia. No, she doesn't got chlamydia. She's got a mom and a dad and a bathroom at home with a rug on the toilet seat. She's got a ponytail. I don't know about the rug on the toilet seat. Jewish people who have assimilated rarely keep rugs there. They won't hang a flag. They will get a tiny Christmas tree with irony or a bigger Christmas tree if they are more serious about assimilating and less serious about irony. I know a girl whose parents ruined her. They had a tree. They even had a wreath. My friend knew how to play the piano and how not to eat any meal except breakfast, and eventually she knew how to trade stocks and then how to give up trading to start a food blog for former anorexics with recipes, and then I didn't know her anymore. I know how to lose a friend for not caring enough about Unitarian Universalism and how to lose a friend for not attending her adult bat mitzvah, and how to lose a friend for telling her to dump her Catholic boyfriend, not because I abhor Catholicism or think it is the worst religion, but because he is dumb. I know how to get that friend back by telling her it's none of my business if she wants to marry a dumb man, leaving out the word dumb, to get her back by apologizing for pretending to know things I can't know, saying that only the two people inside a thing can know how dumb each other are, to get her back by waiting until she knows what I know and I can stop pretending I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's so, the sentences are so good. And also, 
it really spoke to me. Like my best friend growing up was the son of the local Unitarian minister. Oh. And I got that whole like, I mean, he wasn't a Unitarian, but you know, half the church is always the mm-hmm. ex-Jews mm-hmm. and the Christmas trees, the rug on the toilet seat. I never even thought about the sort of class valence of that. I don't even know <laughs> who has that except like kind of lower middle class Midwesterners. Right. Like, I don't know who does. No, but I read that and I was like, oh my God, I remember when it, once when I was in high school, I was like, I, I want that. I want a purple <laughs> toilet seat cover because I just like wanted. My parents were like, <laughs> like they were so confused by it and then I got it and it was just like so great Gentiles like, what does it mean yeah everything's what more does it comfortable mean about me? like they have more yes, pillows on yeah. their beds they're softer it's, you sink into their yeah. houses you know yes. yes they have like like the in the bed bath and beyond the bed that has 20 pillows piled on mm-hmm. some Goyish family has just that too whole, many pillows I gotta say like and again so brilliant love hey. love it uh, but like I really don't feel Jewish at all like, none of these things apply no, to me. It is real. It's a different I've set of... I've never different. thought about no, allergies. I, I mean, that's I, Israeli. You're not American. No. But I, yeah. but I bet not at all. No. Are you Israeli? Yeah. But I bet that, the like, don't the apartments in Israel have, like, no rugs, no curtains? Like, you just and hose... And feral cats. You ho- don't you, like, hose down... Like, you, you like... <laughs> the bathroom. Like, mop the whole bathroom yeah. floor because it's all just, like, everything's just tiles. Do Israelis oh, have allergies the way, like, American Jews have uh, allergies? What are they talking about? No allergies. No one in Israel. It's like they don't have homosexuals in Iran. <laughs> Well, we couldn't have rugs because my sister's allergies or curtains. I have a question for you. I mean, you're getting great reviews. What does that feel like? It's your first Mm. book. You really put yourself out there. I mean, is it just the best feeling? Um, Well, like now I'm sort of like, oh, there's another one. (laughs) I'm getting. (laughs) She's so blase. But yeah, it feels it feels really good. I mean, I'm still, you know, I think I'm still. I was like, will I still be tortured um, enough to write new things? And I was like, oh yeah, like I'm still really upset about something. So. Still got to live with yourself. Oh yes. Yeah. I have a final question for you. Sure. Um, so you write about sex and pot smoking. I'm gathering you've had experience with both. No, I've no, never. I'm a but, virgin who's never. But smoked. a virgin who's never smoked pot. Was is it a little? So I don't. Well, I have written about stuff like that, and it wasn't weird with my parents. But with you, is it weird mm-hmm. with the people who know you and love you to read this book and then wonder what's autobiographical, what's not? My mother said she would have to leave the country um, when it first came out, but um, but now I mean she's just. But she stayed. But, but she then stayed. she saw the Times review, yeah. and she was like, "Oh, okay, we're fine." <laughs> when a shift leaves the country, it's the Shrexit. Well, she's from a different country. Um, she's from Brazil, so she was just like, "I'll go back to Brazil." Um, <laughs> where they don't speak English. I would care. rather live with the Zika virus than with the shame of my daughter. <laughs> they got sex. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that as with most parents, she's just happy that I've done something with my life, you know, so. <laughs> well, since we're playing the autobiographical game, the road trip you take with the guy you don't really like to the waterfalls where you can have sex while smoking mm-hmm, pot, but then you mm-hmm. get kicked out of the waterfalls. Mm-hmm. No spoilers for our Autobiographical. Listeners. What are you doing here? <laughs> It's not a waterfall. It's a hot spring. Sorry, it's a hot spring. It's a hot spring, right? <laughs> I'll just um, take that as a yes. He's killing. He's killing the whole setup. I've been to a hot spring, and I've had boyfriends, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Rebecca Schiff, the book is called The Bed Moved. This was really great. Thank you for coming in. Oh, thank you for having me. Stop 
Ah, man, the Jubador, Jim Nabel. He is unstoppable lately. He was just listening to our show the way a good half-Jewish guy does, and he heard our interview with Ari Nagel, the super sperm donor of the Upper West Side, the guy with a couple dozen kids by a couple dozen women, the guy who hands off his super sperm in Target bathrooms, and Jim Nabel's muse just sang to him. He just had to write. And three days later, damned if he doesn't send us this little ditty, it's called Baby's Daddy. Just listen if you dare. The first time that we never met Was at the coffee shop on that upper west And I gave to you my loving cup At the table then And you picked it up Then you walked out through that open street You would pay the bill, but you did not eat And I sat there at the coffee shop Saying, fill her up Now fill her up I'm your baby's daddy No, we'll never meet again I'm your baby's daddy You and me, with the best of never met At the big old store in the secret room I walked out the door with my heart that bloomed And I saw you then standing in the aisle You were looking so shy, but I see you smile You walked out through that open door And I knew I'd not see you no more But I didn't cry, oh that's why I came Not to know all your face or know your name your baby's daddy. No, I never see you again. I'm your baby's daddy. You and me with the best of never met friends. Never met friends. Tell them I'm just waiting for them to come A day or year, any month of May Or to send me a card saying Happy Father's Day Baby's daddy No, I'll never see you again I'm your baby's daddy Oh, the we've Juba- like, we've like let like we have an outlet for him. Like, yeah, what happened? Where we have was let this before? The Jewish cat out of the bag. Jim Knables doing a ditty on Ari Nagel. Check him out. Jim Knables. Would we be his Knablers? Kna- <laughs> He's ready, willing, and Knable. <laughs> I just can't pun. I just don't have the gene. So listen, back to raising money. Shorter pitch this time. We are for sale. We need to raise some money. No tote bags, no yarmulkes, unless you want one. $180. 
Pick the rabbinic supervision or kosher slaughtering. 360 sponsor Mazel Tov. 720, the Jubador will work your name into a song. 5,000, dedicate an episode to the memory of someone you love. 10,000, you get to pick the Jew or guest Gentile you're choosing. 10,000 plus expenses, one of us will come to your bar mitzvah or officiate your wedding. Or best offer, really? Make us, <laughs> make us, make us an no, offer. No, no, say, no, no. Say something and we, don't we will come consider cheap. it. We don't come cheap. Oh, come on. Of course we do. No, no, we're, no, no, no. We're bottom feeders. No, no, no. Tabletmag.com. gutter folk. Tabletmag.com slash donate. Help keep unorthodox going, please, and thank you. All right, from the unorthodox mailbox, Stephanie. This is a good one. Not just because the subject line is Stephanie. <laughs> to the unorthodox crew, I'm old enough to be at least Stephanie and Liel's mother, but I love your podcast and have been listening for months ever since my walking partner moved to Michigan and left me to walk without conversation. Now I have yours. Stephanie's recent announcement that she's a Kappa made me laugh out loud. I am a Kappa from the University of Arizona, and we had exactly two Jewish members. I recently reconnected with the other, the one who tried for four years to get me to go to high holiday services with her in various Tucson synagogues. Now I feel bad I never went. Just wanted to say I love listening. You are all my Jewish oasis in the Catholic area I live in, a Chicago suburb from where, thankfully, I travel into the city often and mingle with other Jews. I love your conversations. I love your guests. And you have all filled the hole in my heart left by John Stewart. High praise. Now, if you could just send a few tall Jewish men to meet my 5'11", 24-year-old daughter, you'd be perfect. Love and loyally, Stephanie. Joni Hirsch. Just want to say like hi to a sister. Joni Hirsch, a Kappa. Hirsch. I'm giving you the, the handshake right now, yeah. but you can't see it. No we one, all are. No, you guys don't know what the handshake is. It's we're, a secret. You know, we're watching your sure. hands to see what the handshake is. Joni Hirsch, we love you too. Loyally. Just one big mazel tov this week. And I think we all collectively can agree that the mazel tov is to Julie Subrin, our editor, and Sarah Ivry, our senior producer. This is their last week with us. And we want to congratulate them on an amazing run at Tablet. Not only did they help us create Unorthodox and help make it, but they've also been the force behind Vox Tablet, Tablet's first podcast, which aired its final episode of more than 500 on Friday. You should definitely listen, and you can find the whole archive at tabletmag.com. Uh, click on podcasts. They really were the birth of Jewish cultural podcasting, and it's a, it's a treasure trove of great interviews. We will miss them at Unorthodox. We will miss Vox Tablet. And above all, we will just miss them. Sarah Avery has outgrossed Terry Gross every week mm -hmm. uh, on, on a beautiful, soulful podcast that I always listen to, even though sometimes the topics of conversations were not geared towards ignorant maniacs like me. And, and Julie, uh, who both uh, put up with <laughs> my terrible insecurity about my voice not sounding deep enough, uh, who taught me everything I know about being on the radio, and who did this amazing, amazing work producing us every week. You guys, both of you should know that uh, I don't know how long Unorthodox uh, will be around for, uh, but every episode that ever was and every episode that ever will be is a tribute to the two of you, and we're endlessly grateful for it. Yeah, we really could not have done this without them and, and their guidance. And they knew, you know, they really just so, so knew what they were doing. Podcasting is very much an editor's medium. We come in here for... 60, 70, 80 minutes, and then you guys get 47 minutes of the good stuff. I mean, if and I could have Julie in my, like, you in know. In your life. In, in my life. And your marriage. marriage would, would be would so much better. <laughs> Just edit out all the so, nonsense. Yeah, we're going to miss them. Mazel tov to Julie Subrin and Sarah Ivory. Gay Gazint, and obviously we'll all stay in touch.
If you have thoughts, comments, praise, questions for our panel of experts, send them to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Be warned, we might read it on the air. Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. Rabbinic supervision this week by our listener, Martin Otto Zimmen. We kept meaning to read your hostile letter on the air. Sorry we didn't get to it. Kosher slaughtering by Aliyah Redwine, the well-named Jewess from Iowa. Our website is tabletmag.com. You can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at Tabletmag. Our music is by Golem. Happy 4th of July, amigos. Amigos.